0: You heard the rest Now here's the best Stay tuned sports Podcast And hello there all you stay tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports It's your good friend Jimbo here Once again How's everybody's weekend going? Well, week, well, I guess weekend. Depending on how you're uh, listening to the show here, but um, going good here. Got some, a lot of, lot of news. Uh, some baseball talk, AHL, you know, hockey minor league. Um, UFC was this past weekend. It Was nice to have a little bit of sports on TV. But before we end the show, head over to Twitter, follow us there at St Sports Podcast. As well as our Facebook page And our YouTube channel Um Thank you for All the comments That are coming in now On our YouTube channel Appreciate it I'm gonna try to Respond to some of you guys Over there Whether They're bad Or whatnot. But So This past Week Uh The AHL Canceled The the remainder Of the season Um Roughly, there was about seven games left in the regular season. I always say that because I have season tickets to the Baby Pen uh, game, and there were seven games there. I think I had like three left or so. But I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. I'm just actually quite surprised that the NHL hasn't announced anything yet. I mean, you think about it. Why, you know, why not just cancel it? Um, you're gonna have, if we have a, another season next season, their training camp is gonna start within the next two or three months. You know, so you want to give them some time off, even though they already had some time off uh, with the the pandemic that's going on. But as of right now. The AHL president still is not sure how next season is going to look, whether it's going to be fans there in the beginning of the season or ever. So, definitely interesting stuff with in the the hockey uh, community. Um, like I said, I'm just really shocked the NHL hasn't um, made any type of statements other than you know waiting to see what's going to happen. I think the right move is just cancel season. There was only, I I believe, one other time that there was no Stanley Cup champion. So it's not like this is going to be the first time. Um, I believe uh, I asked our our good friend King about that. Um, Has there ever been a season where there was no Stanley Cup champion? And I I believe he said there was two times, one with the work stoppage and one way back Uh, in the early 1900s or or so. So, the thing that NHL has to keep in mind is not only the fans' safety, but also the players. And I'll I'll get into why I say the players with uh, things going on with the baseball, possibly having a season starting in July. But, yes, they're players. And yeah, we, we saw with UFC the, this past weekend the, the testing that went on. But you got to make sure you have the right protocol for the testing and then what happens if, if a player tests positive before a game. Um, you know, this past weekend with UFC, Jakar Sueza tested positive and two of his cornermen. So they sent them home, back to Brazil. Now, I didn't see nothing about this, so I'm only assuming this, but I'd be be willing to bet that they didn't retest any of the fighters. You know, I'm pretty sure these tests don't come back three minutes after they're done being tested. So, I think the right thing to do is to, to cancel the season, Get ready for, hopefully, next season. Because also, the other thing I was thinking, too, today was, okay, these players have had since, I believe they said March, uh, with all the sports being postponed. So you're already going on two months without physical play. Yeah, you might be you know practicing at home. You know, I've seen a couple of the goalies practicing, trying to stay in shape at, at home. But it's different when you're around the guys and... Um, out on the ice, you know, practicing, shooting, stuff like that. So the quality of the game, too, would, I think, take a hit. You know, you, you look at the the Philadelphia Flyers. Carter Hart was, was playing, you know, very well. That team was playing very well towards the end there. Um, from what I remember, I think the well, the Penguins were collapsing. And the Capitals were starting to, to fall apart a little bit as well. Now, who's to say if they did come back? Capitals and the Penguins need that little time off, maybe to, to get some players healthy. We obviously won't know, but I think with the time off, it would really hurt the quality of the playoffs. The, you know, and, and The product of of the game. So speaking of... Like I said, you know... Baseball also came out... um, Earlier this week. The owners approved a a proposal... That the commissioner is going to... Take to the... uh, The ball players... I believe... uh, Tuesday. This past Tuesday. Which... Already a lot of players are coming out saying they're, they're not for it. They're against it. And looking at some of the points that were included in the proposal, I don't blame them. Um, obviously, money is the big issue here for the owners, for the players as well. Baseball would start back up. The week of July 4th, um, they would have a, a, they're calling it a Spring Training 2.0 to start in uh, June with no games played. Just, I guess, you know, basically get them back in shape, get the players back in shape. And would also have an expanded roster from 30 players to 50 with minor league players being included in that roster. Now, that sounds all fine and dandy on the top, but when you really start breaking it down, more of the things that are included in the proposal is the expansion of the playoff teams from 10 to 14 teams, only playing a half a year, 82 games. This one, I think, would be a sticking point. The use of home stadiums in areas that have local and state government approval. So, let's all be honest, if... The Yankees want to play at home. You, you know, with everything that's going on there, they're not going to be able to play at home, at their home stadium. Commissioner also came out and said he has talked to some governors and local officials, you know, from other states to kind of judge who would approve of, of baseball in their stadiums, but already has contingency plan to move those teams that can't play at their home stadiums to a different location again I, I understand there's no fans in the stadium but yeah you, know, you you want to wake up in the morning at your home or your, your your apartment and drive 20 minutes to the stadium you don't want to wake up in a hotel away from your family to play in Florida when you're from New York or Philly or Baltimore I, you know, I think that is going to be a sticking point because also, I mean, even though we're talking about them being players, they are still humans. They want to be with their their family, and, you know, during this time. Last thing they want to do, is especially go down to Florida with everything opening up down there and people still not practicing social distancing and, and doing everything that we're supposed to be doing. Um, so... Like I said, they're also calling the spring training 2.0 to start in June. Um, a universal designated hitter. I know for a couple years they've been talking about that and just maybe they're the owner's way of trying to get this implemented into Major League Baseball, stop having the pitchers hit, which... I'd be okay with designated hitters in the AL and NL. Because, let's be honest again, I mean, how many 300 hitters, even 200 hitters, are pitchers? Very, very rare you have a very good pitcher, or not even a very good pitcher, just a pitcher in general, be decent at batting. So, I think it would also make the game a lot more interesting. Um... A lot more offense would definitely be involved. Another part of the proposal would be geographical schedules. So basically, the AL East would still play all their interdivision games, but then also only play NL East teams. So, for example, the Yankees would play Philly. Would play the Mets, um, Washington. You know, they won't go out to California to play the Angels or the Giants because Major League Baseball wants to keep the traveling at a minimum. And then, you know, like I said, a 30-man roster with a taxi squad that would have upward of 50 players available was the last part. Going back to the money part of this, reading some more on this whole situation back in March the owners and players agreed that the owners would pay the players a prorated salary depending on how many games are played. Now with this proposal the other part of this proposal that is included is the owners want a 50-50 revenue split. So basically any money they make off the TV they split 50-50. No matter how much a player makes. If a player makes five million a year and the revenue comes in at a million dollars per player, they only get a million dollars for the, from themselves. If I'm the players, I'm shooting that down right there. Like if that's the first thing I'm seeing, I'm ripping it up and, and using it as toilet paper. That is some BS. I know a lot of these players make 25 30 million a year on a a, a normal year but these owners are multi million dollar multi billionaires like i said to uh, about the lakers a couple weeks ago applying for the the small business loan you guys are our business people you guys have to have some type of savings every year from um, from the seasons. I mean, you don't just break even every year. If that's the case, then you're in the wrong business. You want you're you're in the business of owning a team to make money off of it. So if you're worried about losing money because fans won't be in the stadium. I think you have bigger issues as far as a business person than worrying about 82 games or 10 to 14 playoff teams. I, I'm a, it, most, you know, again, like I said, I'm pretty sure the players are going to shoot this idea down. And I'm behind 100%. Because nothing also in this proposal describes. What's the safety protocols or testing protocols for the players when they come to a game? That should be the the first thing these owners should have figured out and put it in, in the proposal. You want these players to get on your side. They're worried about themselves and their family. Make sure make them feel safe when they're coming to work. If my job came to me, like right now, my job, I have to wear a mask and a face shield to make rolling doors. If they came to me and was like, you know, we're gonna lose lose a little bit of money because, you know, some of the work sites, they they can't put the doors up. So instead of you making such and such amount of money an hour, we're gonna just do, you know, 3% of whatever we make. I'd tell them, piss off. And hopefully these players have better business smarts and have some money saved up so that if a season doesn't play uh, play out, they have something to pay their bills and and support their family. This is just... Another thing, too, that kind of got to me was the owners already had an agreement with the players back in March that... They would get a prorated deal depending on how many games. Now you put this proposal out there that you want to play 82 games. Okay, so you're not paying a player $5 million this year. You're only going to pay them $2.5 million because it's a half a season. A couple of players did come out and say that they, they do feel that this is just the owner's way basically saying, like, you know, woes me. I'm not going to make any money this year. Again, what about all these past years? You are making a hell of a lot more money than the players. Now, I know we're all clamoring to, to get sports back and things like that. You know, college football is not looking too good right now. Um... I'll tell you what, I don't think baseball is looking too good either. Because if they want to start in July, July 1st, that's only a month and a half away. And the players are already against this proposal. I would honestly think they have about two, three more weeks to agree to something, to be able to do a spring training and then kick the season off. Because once late July comes, you're down to 50 games. What's the point of playing a season then? You're not really going to accomplish anything. So I really think within the next two, three weeks, we're going to get an answer about the baseball season this year if we're going to have one or not. And again, I mean, just... You know, looking at New York, um, Pennsylvania. I mean, I know out near Pittsburgh that the governor is slowly opening up things out that way, but Philadelphia is still shut down. You know, some of these stadiums aren't ready to open up yet to even have ball players in there. But I hope. In a way, I I still do hope that the the players and the owners could come to an agreement and get some baseball in. But we'll see. Now, football, on the other hand, I, I think there's still enough time for things to get better in the nation for us to start to have a football season on time. Not too sure about training camp, because again, you know, a month and a half away from July, they usually report at the end of July. So you got about two and a half months. But Mike Tomlin was in the news for saying about training facilities opening up for NFL teams. There's been some talk about when some states are clear to to resume work, that the training facilities could open up there but Mike Tomlin came out and said that he feels that the NFL should make sure that all the training facilities open up at the same time not one here, one there, one there in fairness to competitiveness and I agree with him because again, you look at New York it's not going to open up anytime soon Now, the NFL did send out a memo to all 32 teams that laid out the protocols for gradual reopening of the team facilities. And basically, it's going to be opening in waves. So the first group that would be allowed back into a team facility would be no more than 50% of non-player staff and up to 75 people per day in those facilities the only players that are allowed to come to the facility are players that are rehabbing I could understand that and you know what that you know idea of letting 50% of the non-players in it's actually I think it's a good idea as long as all the team facilities can open up at the same time Right now The players and the coaches All they're doing is virtual meetings And Tomlin made a point that It's one thing To sit there and and Teach the rookies Teach new uh, free agents coming in The playbook But it's a totally different thing When you're out on the practice field So if you have the Dallas Cowboys open up next week. And they're on the practice field learning new t- new plays. You got, you know, C. D. Lamb coming in learning new plays. But yet, Philadelphia Eagles can't open up yet because they're still on lockdown or stay at home, whatever you want to call it. Well, obviously those rookies are going to be more used to the playbook and the, the, the chemistry with Dak Prescott or You know, the communication with the DBs amongst themselves. They're going to be farther ahead the curve than everybody else in the NSC East. And, you know, okay, I, I brought the Cowboys and Eagles, but I mean any team. You know, the Ravens over the Steelers. Steelers, like I said, Pittsburgh is almost open. I'm not too sure about Baltimore. They may still be shut down. Steelers could catch up to them. Not sure they're going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson, but, you know, but I I agree with Mike Tomlin. I I think they should really hold off and open up the training facilities all together, all at once. Make it fair. And obviously, how I said about the first group of, of, people the second phase would be to allow the players to return but is unclear you know they're unclear whether they'll be able to to practice on the field or not so hopefully again like how I was talking about the NHL with the playoffs everything does open up on time All the players and coaches get enough practice in because the last thing us fans want that that we're all clamoring for the, the sports to come back is have crappy quality product out there on the field. Now, UFC 249 was this past weekend. Let me tell you, that was no crappy quality. I watched from, I believe it was like the second prelim all the way through the night and every fight was a good fight my boy nico price though i was lucky enough to tune in for him i love watching him but man he's got to learn how to block can't can't keep your your hands down he can't keep getting into these these brawls and hopefully he'll get to be just like Justin Gaethje, who used to get in the brawls, but now it seems like he's learned to be patient and not take so many bad shots. But talking about the main card, first fight that kicked off the the card was Greg Hardy versus Jorgen Castro. First round, Jorgen, I, I gave it to him. It just seemed like he was countering everything that Hardy was throwing. He was chopping at the leg, and the second round started. And like Greg Hardy said, he heard Chromier say he better start checking the, the leg kicks. Otherwise, he's not going to be standing much longer. And As much as I hate Greg Hardy and, and do not like him at all, that was probably the most impressive win I've seen him to date. He won by unanimous decision over Jorgen. Now, also, on the flip side, though, Jorgen, for whatever reason, stopped fighting in the second and the third round. I mean, again, the leg kicks were working. He was trying to counter uh, Hardy with his you know, punches, but just couldn't do anything, couldn't push forward. He was pushing forward in the first round. Just stopped doing it. Um, after that fight, we had Calvin... Cater versus Jeremy Stevens. Now, let's not forget, Jeremy Stevens came in four and a half pounds overweight. So, when I saw that, I thought for sure Jeremy Stevens was going to win. He has more weight, which means he has more power. Well, Cater knocked him out. First round, 20 seconds to go. And... Tell you what, it it was a nice knockout. I I would like to see Cater get some more... uh, tougher competition. Maybe for his next fight. Then the third fight of the night... was Francis Nagano versus... Rosenstruck. And... Let's put it this way. You want to see a dead body? Go find that fight because... Francis Nagano killed him. Uh, 20 seconds in to the first round. Sorry, Calvin Qatar or Cater uh, knocked Stevens out in the second round at 242. But Nagano just connected with a left hook which started to drop Rosenstruck. But he fell back up against the cage and his head bounced off the cage right into a right hook of Nagano and that was it. Now here's the one thing though I did notice with Nagano and I've seen some people kind of comment on, on on Twitter. Now yes this is his fourth first round knockout in a row and if Stiepe doesn't fight Nagano's going to be fighting Chromier for an uh, interim title probably the next few months. But the thing is, when he knocked out Rosenstruck, the way he was throwing his punches reminded me of Cyborg when Cyborg fought Amanda Nunez. Left his jaw wide open, hands down, just, n- like, no technique. Now, I'm not saying he, he's not going to win against Cromier. But all Cromier has to do is try to survive one of those punches and just counter it. His jaw's wide open there. Now, the thing that also interests me about this fight, if it if it's uh, Nagano versus Cromier, Cromier was supposed to retire this past March with him losing to Stipe, and then with everything going on Stiappe being a, a volunteer fireman um, and also did come out and say this past week that he him and his team are negotiating with UFC to get the fight with Chromier, even though Chromier is saying Stipe is, is ducking him but the Nagano Chromier fight you know you, obviously Chromier has the wrestling but nagano's power is just hard to den- uh, deny you got to think that it's only going to take one punch to knock ziep or uh, out so if that fight does happen as of right now i'm actually going to pick uh, nagano over kromie but things could change. You know, we could see he definitely looked in a lot better shape in, um, from you know, from the Derek Luce and back fights. Definitely looked in, in better shape. Then for the Comey event, we had Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Now, there, there was a lot of drama with this one. So, first round... Um, Cruz, you know, looked looked decent. I mean he was laid off for three years during you know for injuries and, and just not fighting, but he looked good. Second round back and forth. They both go for a punch, they both butt heads, cuts sujudo open. And he was bleeding pretty good. Doctor looked at it. Said he's fine. Comes out. Cruz goes to punch. So the judo counters. Knocks him down. Starts unloading a good... I saw a lot of people say 13 to, to 15 unanswered strikes. But I saw more of a, a 9 to 10 unanswered strikes. There were 4 or 5 that missed him. Mr. Cruz and his, and he wasn't defending himself though. That was that's the thing. He was trying to push himself up. Finally, Keith Peterson jumped in, called it off. Hudo wins the belt back, or retains it, I should say. And to kind of go off a little subject here about the fight, uh, Cruz. After the fight, in a post-interview backstage, alleged Keith Peterson smelled like cigarettes and alcohol. Now, this surprised me, because Cruz doesn't seem like a guy to make excuses. I mean, to be to be honest, I thought it was a, a good stoppage. Just because he wasn't blocking, he wasn't trying to... Grab a leg or anything. He, he was trying to get himself up. I'll give him. Maybe that. But even that's a stretch. And then he reiterated. His statement. Uh, I believe. Sunday or Monday. Now also one of the. Other UFC. Fighters that. Had a controversial stoppage. Alleged that as well. About Peterson. But. Herb Dean also came out and did say that they, the, all the refs were with each other over time, and not once did they smell or you know of alcohol or cigarettes. And if they would have smelt it on Peterson or any of the refs, they would have spoke up and ended that right there. Not saying Cruz was a sore loser here but doesn't look good for him now going back to Cejudo in his post fight interview with Joe Rogan he announced his retirement and me and the wife were watching that and I, I was like wow and you know I don't really like him I don't like his whole WWE shtick that he does you know getting the pillows from Etsy or, or cruises or, or whatnot or next day waking up with the pillows of the people he beat, but I don't think he's done. I think he's pulling GSP. He's 30. What do you say? 31, 32, something like that. I think this is a, a money issue. He's in the prime of his career. Yes, he, he beat everybody that you could possibly think of in his divisions. But I still think there's there's some fights out there for him that he could still defend his title to become the best ever in the UFC. I would still take GSP over him. I'd still take John Jones over him as pound-for-pound pound king. Yes, he's defended both of his belts. But to leave, I just think he's leaving too early. And that's why I said to my wife, I, I, that's what surprised me, is that he made the announcement in the prime of his career. Now, his uh, manager did say Dana White does, not or no, yes, yeah, his, his uh, manager did say Dana White does know his number. Now, does his number mean pay raise number or give him a call to beg him to come back? Or, you know, what exactly that statement mean? I think it's about money. Even though he made 350000 for this fight. But if, if he is retired and, and done, gotta give credit where credit's due. Henry, I know I give you a lot of shit on this podcast, but good career. He always gave me something to To root for against you. Then after them. We had the main event. Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. And I mean. Not much to say. Gaethje just dominated Tony Ferguson. He. I mean Ferguson just didn't have any answers. And it ended up getting stopped in the the fifth round. Due to uh, Doctor Stoppage. So that. That. Sets up as of right now the rumor that Dana White said they're real close to setting up the Gaethje, Habib fight for July or September, even though Mr. Conor McGregor thinks he has the title fight. Now, here if if I'm Dana White in the UFC, this is what I'm doing: I'm setting up the Gaethje, Habib fight. If you guys listened over the past few months. About me with, with Connor coming back and want to be more active. He should not jump the line just because he's a big draw. You think about it, he beat an old Cowboy, which I thought he beat Pettus this uh, prelim, but he, I thought he beat Cowboy. He lost to Habib. He didn't fight for two years. I still think Connor needs. One more fight to show that he is back in title contention. And I would pin him up against either Tony Ferguson or Dustin Poirier. You know, Ferguson went on a 12-fight win streak before this. And everybody that says he's overrated, shut up. If he's overrated, how did he go on a 12-fight win streak? Against some good names, too. Not, you know, 20th-ranked guys. Um, but with Ferguson going on That 12 fight win streak Had the fight Signed with Habib Had it taken away Made weight Even when he didn't have to For April I think it was the April 18th fight And he he's still Entertaining fights Still Talented. It's not like he's at the end of his career now. So I would, if I had to say between Ferguson or Protea to fight Connor, I would say Ferguson. And let's just see how dedicated Connor is because you're not going to make the Justin Gaethje-Habib fight co-main event and have Connor a non-title fight, a main event, make him a co-main eventer. You'll still sell a lot, a lot of uh, pay-per-views. Definitely was an, an entertaining weekend. Hopefully, baseball gets sorted out. Football will be coming on soon, within you know next couple months, hopefully. But I believe that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, so, before we go, head over to Twitter. Follow us there at ST Sports Podcast, as well as our Facebook page. Like and subscribe our YouTube channel. Leave comments on any of those platforms. So, till next week, this is your good friend Jibbo signing out.